Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, April 27th. It's part two of a two-mini break Tuesday here at Cracked Rackets. On part one, I broke down everything that happened during last weekend's championship action on the ATP and WTA tours. That means talking Nadal winning another title in Barcelona. Ashley Barty absolutely shining. In Stuttgart, of course, we had 250-level titles from Serana Kirstea and Matteo Berrettini. Jensen Brooksby, the 20-year-old American, continued to rip through the ATP Challenger Tour. He earns his second title in as many weeks on the green clay of Tallahassee. Of course, I also wanted to talk about some of the other notable performers, Stefano Tsitsipas, Aslan Karatsev, Arena Sabalenka, who I promise is going to earn a big win at a Grand Slam this year, and it shouldn't shock any of you Crack Rackets listeners at this point. But it was a really exciting weekend of action, so it deserved its own podcast on this show. I want to focus on the ATP and WTA Tour action happening this week because it's a bit of a staggered start for us tennis fans. The week kicks off with two ATP 250 level events happening in both Munich and Estoril. Later on in the week, we will have a WTA 1000 level event in Madrid, but we're not going to focus on that event yet. We'll save that for Wednesday, maybe Thursday when that action starts to heat up. I want to focus on the two ATP events on this podcast, talk a little bit about the three challenger events we've got going on. Of course, Damian Kust, his friend Jakob Bobro previewing all of this week's challenger action on Monday's Great Shot podcast, but I've got a few thoughts as well, so I figured now would be a good time for me to share them. So that is going to be the theme of this second episode, talking about this week's action, what we tennis fans have to look forward to. Of course, the reason we are able to do this day in, day out here at the Mini Break podcast, on the Mini Break podcast, I should say, and at Cracked Rackets is because of the support we get from all of you listeners from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family and, of course, from our friends at Midwest Sports. I said it earlier, so I'll just reiterate it quickly. Go to MidwestSports.com, use the promo code CR15, 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, free can of Wilson Duty Extra Duty tennis balls, Wilson Duty Extra Duty, just Wilson Extra Duty. They're not Duty Extra Duty. That's just me talking too fast. Wilson Extra Duty tennis balls, MidwestSports.com, that promo code code is CR15. With that in mind, let's get right into this week's action. It was a really fun Monday at our two events. Let's start with the event in Estoril because it feels like we have a bit of a personal connection to that event here at Cracked Rackets. As you guys know, I am the co-founder and lead member of the NDN Association. What does NDN stand for? Stands for Never Doubt Nuno. And of course, if you are a college tennis fan listening to this podcast, you know I am referring to former Mississippi State All-American standout, in my opinion, the most underrated player in 2010's men's college tennis, Nuno Borges, who has had the week of his career thus far in Estoril. He comes through qualifying, earns wins over top 150 players or top 175 players in the world in Liam Brody in straight sets and then knocks off challenger winner from a few weeks ago, Roberto Carabellas Benia, to qualify for the main draw. What does he do after that? Knocks off Jordan Thompson 7-6-6-3 to earn his first 
ATP level main draw victory. You look for Borges with this result. He is going to move up to a new career high in the world. And considering how few repetitions he has at the ATP challenger level so far, he made, I think it was the final a few weeks ago. That was his first ATP challenger quarterfinal, semifinal, and final all in the same event. You look for Nuno Borges now in the rankings. He up to a new career high of number 298 for the 24-year-old. We've talked about his numbers here on this podcast before, but the success he has had on the futures level and just throughout his pro career uh, uh, since uh, turning pro, when was that, I suppose, after making the NCAA singles final, losing that match to Paul Jubb in 2019. Uh, You look for him since the tour resumed in August, and he had a ton of exhibition success, but he's now 46 and 11 in his last 52 weeks. I don't care what level you're doing it at. When you're winning 80% of your matches, something is going right. And, you know, for Nuno, it's always going to start with the serve and the forehand. He's one of those people who is just blessed, God-given wrists, with that wrist talent, that shoulder talent that elite tennis players need to have. You see him hit a kick serve out wide on the ad side, and you're like, oh my God, like how talented is this kid? You see him slap through a forehand, take that ball early, beat you to the spot, the pace he can put on that ball for someone who you know, I happen to know a little bit about him. He's not going to wow you with any of his athletic measurements. He's not going to blow out a tennis combine, right, with his 40 time. But the guy just gets how to play tennis. The guy is an absolute winner. I mean, he's yet to drop a set here this week in Estoril, and you look for him in his match wins thus far. He's won over 73% of his first serve points. He's faced, uh, I believe, 11 break points. He's saved eight of the 11 break points he's faced in his three matches, and obviously he's a guy who's riding momentum here as well. You know, you look for him, the fact that the week he played the Portugal Challengers, his first week he lost to the eventual champions, Denik Kobar, in three sets. The next week, he makes the final, beats number two seed Enzo Kakao in the first round uh, before losing a 6-6 six and six final. You know, he played a 25K last week where he ended up losing two big-hitting young uh, rising talent, Emilio Nava, 7-5-7-5, and that is one of my concerns for Nuno is he is not an elite athlete. His movement's going to get better, and I think he's not a bad athlete. He certainly with his anticipation skills. Movement's not a huge problem for him, but the bigger the weapons, the more that issue is exposed for him, and that's a good thing because movement is something every player can improve on, whether it's your work in the gym, whether it's just getting more mature, growing into your body, being more comfortable with your repetitions and your footwork on court. Uh, It's a good problem to have for Nuno, but Look, the draw broke perfectly for him, and you all, if you listen to our Great Shot podcast, my co-host Chris Halioris, whose nephew Trevor Fauché was on Nuno Borges' Mississippi State teams, uh, he and I have been texting all week, and I said, look, if he gets, like, with Liam Brody and Carbeas Bania, which were the projected qualifier, I said, those are great matchups for Nuno, because unless you have a big weapon to hurt him with, if your attempt, if your thing is, I'm going to grind him down, that's not going to work, because his forehand is too big of a weapon, He's too decisive, and if you give him time, he is going to hurt you. Again, that 
big kick he can hit on the ad side to set up the first forehand. Just his movement in general on the red clay, he's looked so comfortable. Uh, Obviously, he played a ton of clay events in Antalya uh, at the Futures level here to start the season. He went semifinals, quarterfinals, title in his three uh, clay court events in Antalya. That was perfect warm-up for the conditions here in Estoril. It was unfortunate because, you know, this is his home event. Would have loved to see him get a main draw wild card, but he has made the most of his opportunity. Again, he gets probably the two best wins of his career over Brody and Carbeas Bania in qualifying and follows that up and just out hits Jordan Thompson. Had the biggest weapon on the court in his forehand. Still just turned 24 years old into the top 300. Again, he played four years of college tennis, but it's the Steve Johnson, Mikhail Torpegard, J.J. Wolf model where it's like, oh, now that he's a professional, he's ready to float his way, I think, into the top 200 at a minimum. I think he is that good right now. I think we're going to see him make a bunch of quarterfinals, if not better, at the challenger level across surfaces this season. And then it becomes a matter of opportunity. Health for him has been an issue. How healthy can he stay? You know, training opportunities. Can he find a program, the resources to where he can dedicate himself in the gym because six months of rigorous training, even a a really hard two-month offseason with the right sort of guidance. I mean, the talent, the ceiling is the roof for Nuno from a racket and shoulder and wrist talent perspective. It's been so fun to see him have this success. Again, I feel personally invested because he is close to people I am close with and their success bring, his success brings them joy and thus brings me joy, but his tennis also brings me joy. Again, just go watch the serve, watch the forehand, tell me those aren't ATP level weapons, and then just watch the way he competes, moves the ball around the courts, just always seems to find a way, 6-3 and three victory for him over Jordan Thompson. Your match of the day, though, belonged to Kevin Anderson and Francis Tiafo. Anderson, a 4-6-7-6-7-6 victory over Tiafo. I mean, how many matches like this is Tiafo going to play? Tough competition, certainly, but it felt like a very winnable match for him. Had his opportunities. It was an 8-6 breaker in the second set. You look for Tiafo in the match overall. Played about as clean of a match as you could have expected him to play against the big hitting Kevin Anderson. You look overall for Tiava, who I believe was a finalist in Estoril. I want to say back in 2018, but it might have been 2017 or 2019. It was certainly in that three-year stretch, but... Look, I mean, Tiafo managed to break uh, Anderson five times in this match and, you know, won over 58% of both his first and second serve points. If I would have told you that number on the surface, you would have said he probably would have won the match. And yet, Anderson was able to find big returns, big first serves when he needed them. Anderson won 72% of his first serve points, uh, made 67% of his first serves, played big hitting, assertive tennis, and went for his shots. And at this point, that's what he's doing. And he talked after the match about how he still isn't 100% comfortable with his level, but... It's a really good win for Anderson because, as we've talked about at length here, Francis Tiafo is playing the best tennis of his career, and uh, you would have loved to see him win this match. I think if it's three out of five sets, he does win this match, but Kevin Anderson, the biggest weapon, is able to take the two tiebreakers. He advances to the round of 16. He had two other three-set matches on the day, by the way. Davidovich, Fokina, fun 
physical match. He's had some injuries of late, so to see him bounce back, 6'3", 4'6", 6'1", he had the biggest weapons on the court against Pablo Andahar, so that was a very fun match. And then Jeremy Chardy continues his exceptional form. You know, he lost that first set 6'3", to Haomi Munar. There's nothing worse than facing a set deficit over a guy who's just going to make a million balls for the next two hours, which is about how long it took Jeremy Chardy to win the next two sets, 6'3", 6'4", and I'll tell you what, the Jeremy Shardy forehand. It's in the, I keep saying the Surindolo model because he's the one I've talked about the most, but it's like Casper Ruud. That forehand, just a rifle, the weight of that ball on these clay courts, it's really hard to respond. And, you know, Munar tracked a lot of those forehands down, but Shardy was still the player on his front foot. He was the one dictating. And again, his confidence right now through the roof. He has, excuse me, that was a hiccup. Wow, uncontrollable hiccup. I apologize. He has been by 2021 ELO ratings. A top 30 player in the world. He's number 23 overall now, 16-9 and on the season. It has been a resurgence for Shardy, who was really bad in 2020. And so it's really fun to see this resurgence, see him not only you know, play confidently, but having fun on court again. And I know that's a very superficial thing, but he is clearly having fun. And so for Shardy, three-set win over Munar. That was your Monday action in Estoril. In terms of your top seeds at the event, you've got number one seed, Denis Shapovalov, who obviously receives a bye here in the 250-level event. Number two seed, Christian Guerin, your number nine player via Tennis Abstract's Clay Court ELO ratings, is your number two seed and probably the favorite at this event. Certainly, Garen, I believe, has won clay court titles now the past two seasons, 2019-2020. He'll be looking to do so again. Would love to see a Shapovalov-Garen final. How exciting would that be? The firepower of Shapovalov, the big forehand, low backhand is going to counterpunch you to death, bait you into hitting the -the on-the-run forehand, which Shapovalov has the firepower to hit. And even he'll take the bait and succeed with it that would be really fun but of course there are plenty of other fun options in the draw and you look for Garen he's got either Juan Ignacio Landero or Richard Gasquet in his first run would then face either Sasha Bublik or potentially Pedro Martinez who we saw make a dangerous run what was it third round last year of the French Open before he lost to uh, Sebastian Corda uh, he plays Bublik first round. That's a fun one. Nori, who's been great of late, plays Sosa. Uh, so, you know, Garen Bublik, Garen Nori, Garen Martinez, even Garen Sosa, all would be exciting. You look in the section of the draw that starts today. Kevin Anderson's going to have no rest for the weary as he's going to take on Kei Nishikori. Nuno now going to face the winner of Chilich and Carlos Alcaraz. Chilich, your number six seed, but Carlos Alcaraz favored by odds makers in that match, justifiably so. We saw him rip through that Marbella draw on his way to the semifinals. Nishikori, by the way, the number four seed in that section. Uh, but that's a really fun section of the draw. You've also got Davinovich Shardy coming up next. Ugo Umber going to face the winner of Chechenato and Lloyd Harris in your top section. Shapovalov will face either another tricky lefty in Frenchman Quarantine Mute or Marcos Giron in his first match, the former NCAA singles champion uh, in t- this week's draw. You've also got Jill Simone versus Herbert. Verdasco versus Ramos Vanolas in a couple of all-country battles. By the way, you know, Chris Halioris, who I mentioned, and I were shooting some things around. Nuno earns his first ATP-level victory of his career. Here's the list of college uh, men's college players we have assembled to have earned main draw singles wins since 2015. Nuno, Vukic, Schnur, Torpegard, Wolf, Nori, 
Kopfer, who I think all of them were ranked number one in the country at some points. Also, technically, Jensen Brooksby, uh, Francisco Serendolo, technically, Mackie McDonald, of course, was number one ranked player in the country as well. Chris Eubanks of Georgia Tech, and then Andrew Harris, the NCAA doubles champion out of Oklahoma. Of course, you've also got Noah Rubin on that list. It's a pretty comprehensive list. How many names is that? Let's see, four, five, plus the 10, three. Uh, So 13 total names on that list. Again, if you're the top player in college tennis, you're probably, if not a top 100 talent, you're going to be in the mix at that ATP level. And there are a lot of guys right now, Kingsley, Kovacevic, Blumberg, others, who I think can go on to have successful and sustained pro careers. Nuno certainly leading the way this week in Estoril, and again, you look top to bottom. It should be a really exciting week of action over in Portugal. Let's move on, though, now to the action in Munich, where you do have our one top 10 player on the week in action, Alex Virov, who, of course, always takes the opportunity to play a match in his home country. He is the number one seed here in Munich. Of course, he is coming off of back-to-back titles in the two events in Germany at the end of last season. What was it? The Cologne 250s that he won back to back. And, you know, again, that's all we have to talk about for Zvira for now, but he's the number one seed. But perhaps your favorite, even though Zvira, the highest ranked player by Tennis Abstract ELO rating, by Clay Court ELO rating, etc. Kasparud, who has made back to back, I believe, semifinals in Rome now at that 2020 2021 event, who has been outstanding. He's number, I think, or I think I said mistakenly, Christian Guerin is number 10 on ELO rating. Christian Guerin, number 9. Kasparud, number 10 uh, on Clay Court ELO rating, number 18 overall. He's your number 2 seed here this week. You look at their sections of the draw. Rude in the same section as number 8 seed John Millman, who was a three-set winner over fellow countryman Alexi Popperin. who's played a couple of good Clay Court matches here to start the season. Just cannot get that victory yet. But Millman, or I suppose lost that three-set match to Puy, but... You know, Millman has also played some physical matches in his game style. He's in the prime of his career. He's just such a tough out, going to ask every question of you. He's got Guido Pea next, who was a 6-love, 2-love win after Igor Gerasimov retired. Pea on the clay courts, probably going to be an odds maker's favorite. Uh, but of course, that section, Millman, Pea, Rude, and then the winner of Tennis Sandgren and Pablo Cuevas. That's a fun little first round match. Uh, that's an interesting section. You look for top seed Alex Virov. He's going to face Ricardus Barankis after Barankis knocks off Max Martyrer in straight sets. Ilya Avashka gets a 6-1-6-2 win over Emil Rusevori. Rusevori's lack of sample size on clay courts continuing to show itself, but you know, Ivashka, he's played well of late, almost beat Nadal last week. He advances. He'll play the winner of Mackie and number six seed Dusan the Deuce Lajevic, uh, which is a fun little testy first round match. The other seeds in the draw, number four seed uh, is Philip Krajinovic, your number five seed Nikolas Basilashvili, your number six seed the Deuce I already mentioned, your seven seed Jan Leonard Struff. Uh, some fun floaters 
elsewhere. You see Taro Daniel special exemption after his semifinal last week in Belgrade. He'll have a first-round match against wildcard and finalist at a bunch of clay court events and rising top 100 player in terms of his form of late. Former USC standout Yannick Hanifman, winner plays Krajinovic. That's an exceptional match you've got. Oh, speaking of some of these guys, Dominic Kopfer. Oh, Yannick Hanifman, by the way, belongs on that list. Dominic Kopfer, who I mentioned, he's in. The, he's going to play tomorrow against Phil Kohlschreiber. You've also got Sebi Korda playing Daniel Galan. That's our Patreon match of the day, by the way, folks, for you Patreon subscribers or anyone interested if you want to hear more about that matchup. But just up and down the line, again, these are the players. Hanifman, if the draw breaks right, third round, I don't think that's a stretch at the French Open. Fourth round may be a stretch. That would require him to pull off a really impressive upset. But third round, absolutely in play. We saw Korda make, what, the fourth round last year. We saw Galan make the third round last year. These are all players. Zverev, obviously, fourth round last year. And Kasparu, those are more notable examples. But just top to bottom, these are players who are absolutely going to factor into the French Open Grand Slam. In Kasparud, you've got a guy trying to make a push into the top 15. Obviously, Alex Zverev looking to establish himself as the guy to beat in the next generation. Ditto with a guy like Sebastian Corda, who's trying to prove he's not just here on the ATP Tour. He wants to be seated at these events and seated right now. But just top to bottom, should be a really fun uh, event in Munich. And you look at the action we have specifically uh, tomorrow overall. It should be, again, a, a fun day of play. You start uh, with the uh, res- uh, you start with Mackie McDonald versus the Deuce. You've also got Andre Martin versus Struff. Cope for Kohlschreiber tomorrow. Cuevas Sandgren, Basilevich Montiero, Daniel Hanifman, as well as that match of the day, Galan versus Corda. I didn't mention the matches on the schedule tomorrow in uh, in excuse me Mu- uh, not Munich in Estoril. I do want to do that now so you guys know what we have in score for uh, in store for us in score for us in store in terms of the scores. Leave it all in West off. Those are the sort of jokes I would never show on Tennis Channel Live. So I got to get them out here on the podcast. But you look for the schedule in Estoril tomorrow. You've got Gasquet Landero Nori versus Sosa. That Alcaraz Chile match which promises to be spicy Verdasco Ramos Vinoles Chechenato versus Lloyd Harris Bublik versus Pedro Martinez Jill Simone versus Pierre Uz Herbert and then Marcos Giron going to take on Quarantine Mute so again Given the staggered start, given we don't get that 1,000-level event in Madrid underway until later in the week, we can rest easy because the ATP 250 action we have should certainly fill our fix and should provide us with some very, very entertaining tennis. Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, 
or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard Truth in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. I want to talk briefly now about some of the ATP Challenger action we have. Again, I'm going to save the WTA Madrid breakdown until that event gets really underway later in the week. But we do have three challengers on our hand to hear the full breakdown. Monday Great Shot Podcast, new Crack Rackets contributor Damian Kust, his friend Jakob Bobro. They do such a great job breaking down the Challenger Tour in depth. Just a couple of thoughts to add. Let's start in Ostrava. We had four results today. Sebastian Baez, who now 16-1 and in his challenger matches he's played this year, all on red clay. He's a top 30 player via Tennis Abstracts. Uh, clay Court ELO ratings, a top 30 guy by 2021 yearly ELO ratings as well. He gets a straight set win over the wild card Martin Krumich. Uh, in terms of your other winners, Elias Emer, very fun. 3-6-7-6-6-4 win over number six seed Max Cressy, Arthur Rinderneck. That power tennis he plays, it does apply across and translate across surfaces. 6-4-6 love win for him. Hits Matthias Borg off the court. And then Lucas Rosal continues to add to the struggles of Mohamed Safwat. Rosal is 6-7-6-2-7-5 victory uh, to advance to the round of 16. You look at the top seeds at this event. Gregoire Beret, the number one seed. Uh, he takes on Oscar Ota, the winner of that match will play the winner of Zdenek Kolar and Thomas Martin Echeverry, who could both very well win this event in Ostrava. You look elsewhere in the draw, your other seeds, number two seed Tiago Sabath-Vild goes from Tallahassee to Ostrava. He'll play tricky qualifier Alex Mulcan, and then he'll probably be an underdog in his second round match as he will take on Sebastian Baez. You look elsewhere, your number three seed, Benjamin Banzai. He's got Roman Sefillian, the talented, still young Russian. Winner of that would play potentially talented young Czech Yuri Laheka, the wild card here this week, or Constance Ledstien. Uh, your number five seed, Mark Pullmans. I skipped the number four seed, Arthur Rinderneck, because I already mentioned him, but your number five seed is Pullmans. Your number six seed, Cressy, already eliminated. Seven seed, Alejandro Tabilo, who takes on Robin Hassa. You've also got Braden Schnur in the draw. You've got, let's see, any other college connections here. I already mentioned Cressy, who was knocked out. Those are all of your college connections. But, oh, Schnur versus Marcelo Thomas Barrios Vera, who got in as an alternate. Uh, that's a fun first-round match. So certainly the action in Ostrava promises to deliver, and you look tomorrow, a bunch of those matches on the board, Laheka Lestien, uh, you've got Mokan versus Sabath-Vild, you've got uh, Gregoire Barrer kicking off his campaign against Oscar Ota, you've got Kolar versus Martin Echeverry, Schnervos, Thomas Barrios-Vera, will be a fun day of action 
in Ostrava, in Ecuador. We're still waiting for the first, uh, I should say, last week's challenger to finish, but you know, qualifying, I believe, underway there. You had some wins from seeds today. You look for the draw in Ecuador. I don't know if it's actually come out yet. Let's see if they do have a draw for us yet in Ecuador. You look across the board. We do have a draw. Number one seed, Emilio Gomez on his home turf. Your number two seed going to be Jao Menez. Number three seed, Roberto Sid. Your number four seed, L2 Chelik Bellic. Some fun first round matchups. A little USC Virginia rivalry renewed. JC Aragoni taking on Roberto Quiroz. You've also got uh, Orlando Luz, who I've still got a little stock in, taking on Nicolas Yeri. Skander Mansuri, the former Wake Forest standout, going to get the start against number two seed, Jao Menez. You've also got former Florida State standout, Aziz Dugas, taking on Yel Sells. You've got Kevin King, Diego Hidalgo, bunch of college connections up and down the draw. Nick Chapel, the former TCU standout, I see in play. It's a hard court event. I actually really love that Gomez versus Vladislav Orlov first-round matchup. Orlov's been one of the ITF circuit superstars of late. So be on the lookout for a slight upset alert there, but overall should be another fun week of action in Ecuador if they complete the first week's action, but you look up and down tomorrow, it's going to be Gomez versus Orlov, Sid versus Velati, Hidalgo versus Menendez, Maciarez, Locke versus Diaz Acosta, Alvarez versus Wong, a bunch of fun match, Pedro Sakamoto in action as well. That's what's going on in Salinas. And then finally, in Rome, you had a couple of first round matches today. Your number two seed, Hugo Deli, and number six seed, Paolo Lorenzi, both upset by Giulio Sapieri and Alexandre Muller, respectively. Your three seed, Federico Gayo, number eight seed, Alessandro Gianessi, both advancing on the day. And then Jake Clark, a winner over Alex Bolt. You look at the draw here in Rome this week. Your number one seed, Zamir Zumher, number two seed, Delian already knocked out, three seed, Gao, your number four seed, going to be Danilo Petrovic, your five seed, Hugo Gaston, last week's finalist, number six seed, Lorenzi out, number seven seed on the week, Juan Pablo Varias, who has been sneaky good of late on in clay court, I mean, it's not even sneaky, he's just a damn good clay court player. And then your number eight seed, who I mentioned, Alessandro Gianessi. You've got former Illinois standout, one of the guys I mentioned on that ATP tour winning list, Alexander Vukic, who's made a couple quarterfinals of late. He takes on Roberto Marcora in his first round match, looking up and down the draw. We've got the cock back in action, Tanasi Kokonakis taking on former Clemson standout, Yannick Maiden, Juan Manuel Serrandolo, the young Argentinian ATP title winner, taking on Qualified. Tristan Lamassine. Uh, so just up and down the board, it should be a very exciting week of challenger action. And then again, it's worth reminding all of you fans at home, Big Ten postseason play, really your final conference tournament. And we're going to break down all of that college tennis on a great shot podcast this week with Matt Stokowiak and Chris Hellyhorst. That's going to come Thursday, not Wednesday, because Matt's traveling back from Baylor. Just a little note for those of you who listen to this and will be curious why you don't see it on your feed on Wednesday, but... Uh, Big Ten championships, men and women both playing this week. All of the other conferences coming to a close. We're going to break all of that down on the GSP. It is going to be a mega episode, so be on the lookout for that. 
but that's your early week action happening across the tennis world. Again, we'll get back to the WTA 1000 event in Madrid as more details become available, but didn't want to leave you listeners high and dry because, of course, Monday we had a guest cancel and things sort of got out of whack. So hopefully today's two-mini break Tuesday made up for that fact. Hopefully all of you listeners feel prepared for the week of tennis ahead. Of course, if you don't, you can catch up on all of the action on our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need a more immediate update, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westa, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at MidwestSports.com. Go to uh, go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. I also, of course, uh, want to give a shout out once again to all of you listeners, to our Patreon family for continuing to support all of the work that we do. If you are not already and interested, you can learn more about our Patreon by going to CrackRackets.com. And of course, as always, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Great Shot Podcast, where we've got a lot of fun content planned for all of you listeners this week. But with that in mind, for our wonderful super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.